0: super excited about jumping into our afterlife series today, but before I jump in with today's message, I want to open us up with a word of prayer. Lord, I thank you so much for the opportunity this morning to speak to your people about um, what it means to live um, in light of you today. God, I just ask that I will step back and that the power of the Spirit will speak through me. God, that you will convict our hearts in how we look more like you every day and how we minister And show your love and your grace and your peace to those around you. In Jesus' name, amen. So uh, the past five weeks, Russ has been talking about heaven and hell. It has been a very uh, deep few weeks for us. And um, it has given us what I call the gift to think about life after this one. A lot of times we only think about eternity when we are attending a funeral Or we have heard of um, something that brings that to mind. But we have been given a gift to really process and think about what our life is like after this one. And we've studied and we've come to the conclusion that both heaven and hell exists. So with that knowledge, that information should inform our faith. And it should influence how we live on this earth as followers of Jesus. So today's message is called Living in Light of Eternity. How do we live right now here on earth? In light of the afterlife. So, um, when I was preparing for this message, I felt a real heaviness. I, I couldn't really write it, and I kept writing it and rewriting it. And I knew what God was telling me to speak about this morning, but there was a bit of a hesitation. Uh, we have seen over the past few years, there has been a shift in Christian culture, and we see that a lot of people that speak the name of Jesus don't represent him well. And so, I wanted to, to look up some statistics because maybe what I'm feeling or what I'm seeing isn't completely accurate. And so that's what I did. Arizona Christian University did a study just last year where they um, asked some American adults some questions about their faith. And 69% of them claimed self-identified to be Christians. So that means about 7 out of 10 people in America claimed to be a believer. And most of them, because um, they understand and believe in the basic Tenets of the Christian faith, but as they look through the answers to the questions, they realize that many in this group, they hold views that are clearly in conflict with traditional teaching. So, um, when they look through those questions and they got that 69 percent, only 9 percent of them actually possess a biblical worldview, which means they believe that God's in God's unchanging word. And that absolute moral truth exists and that such moral truth is only defined in the word of God. So only 9% of that 69% believe that. And then they found out through the answers to that question that there's also another group which they have named integrated disciples. And this is 6%. So they not only possess a biblical worldview, but they also demonstrate a consistent understanding and application of biblical principles and so as i was preparing for my message this week and thinking about our christian walk and what that looks like um i realized that what i have seen what we have seen throughout society is 100 percent accurate and as i looked at those numbers it brought me to tears because i realized that something has changed in our culture and we believe that christianity is only something that we say and maybe something that we believe a little bit But the the title of Christianity holds more weight to that. It is not just something that we believe a little bit about. It is a lifestyle that God is calling us to live and it looks a specific way. I'm so thankful to be a part of a church that has a biblical worldview that we, everything we talk about, even when it's social issues, we talk about it through the lens of scripture. We look at the Old Testament and the New Testament and see what Jesus tells us to do and how he tells us to walk today. Is anyone else besides me? happy that they're part of a church with that view because a lot, amen, there are a lot of churches today that don't read, um, live life through the lens of scripture. So as Christians, our job is to look at the Bible to see how we are to live. It is our mirror that shows us how to walk every day and how we are to represent Jesus in the world because our relationship with God should be the only Thing that dictates how we live. It is the only thing that has authority in our lives. It's not other pastors or other preachers or social media or the news. It is the word of God. And the word of God, I love it so much because it leads us to the heart of God. It shows us who he is, and it shows us the life of Jesus, the very person that we are supposed to follow. We've been talking about heaven and hell the past five weeks, and today we're talking about earth earth. I know sometimes for me, I can focus so much on heaven that it makes me immobile to do anything here. We hear of things that are going on in the news, and we just say, Lord, please come quickly. But it's our job as believers here on earth to do God's work. If we believe that Jesus came here to earth, he lived a sinless life, he died and rose from the dead, he brought new life right here. So that tells us that as he passed that baton to us, it is our job as believers to bring that new life right here in this messy and broken world so what are we to do we're going to jump into romans chapter 6 and we're going to look at what paul tells us that we are to do as believers romans chapter 6 verse 3 says do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into christ jesus were baptized into his death We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. So Paul tells us here that if we are Christians, if we have committed our lives to Jesus, if we have been baptized into him, then we are to live a new life. That means the life we live today as a Christian should look completely different than the life before we were saved. Not just in what we call ourselves, not in just the title that we give ourselves, but how we live. And there's an important part of that verse I want you to pay attention to. It says, by the glory of the Father. When we commit our lives to Jesus, it's not something that we're doing by ourselves. We're not saying, Lord, I commit myself to you and now I'm gonna live a life that looks like you all by myself. No, we are partnering with God to make sure that we are able to walk Our faith, committing to die to the old man. Baptism, there that Paul talks about, is an outward expression of a spiritual conversion. So, you've probably seen, we we show our baptism videos or you've attended a baptism, and a lot of times a person baptizing will say, down to death and raised to new life, because that is a visual of how we are actually dying to our old self. The Greek word for baptism there means to dip or to plunge so back in jesus day people dyed clothes a lot very often hand dyed and that is the word they actually used for dyeing clothes was the word baptism and so if you imagine if you take a white cloth and you dip it in purple dye i'll choose purple because my favorite color you know that that white cloth is going to then become what color purple you guys are so so wise So the purple cloth doesn't, I mean, the white cloth doesn't change form, right? It's still a cloth. But that cloth then becomes purple because it was baptized into the purple dye. So the elements of that dye are actually immersed into that cloth. It is the same thing, but just looks a little different. This is what happens to you and I when we commit our lives to Jesus, It is not just a prayer that we are saying for fire insurance. We are making a commitment to immerse ourselves in who Jesus is so that we can become more like him. In dyeing a cloth, we know that the longer that cloth sits in that dye, the darker it becomes, right? The same thing for us in our stages of growth in Jesus is that the longer we immerse ourselves in who he is, the more we spend time with him, the more we are going to look ...like him, the more we're going to understand his truth. There are 168 hours in a week. If we are only spending one hour of that week in church... ...having someone else teach us the word of God... ...if we're not studying those words throughout the week... ...how can we reflect Jesus... There are another 167 hours of that week that we are being influenced by something else. So clearly, whatever that, those other things are, are going to have more of an influence over our lives than Jesus. That's why it is, is vital in addition to Sundays that we are seeking Jesus on our own. There are many opportunities. We have Bible studies, devotionals, reading the Bible, listening to the Bible, worship music, being in Christian community, by, praying, talking, and listening to Jesus. That is how we immerse ourselves in who he is and learn to be like him. And not just because that is the Christian thing to do, to check something off a list, but because we have committed our lives to Jesus, because we want to know him, we want to grow in relationship with him and look like him. That is how we live in light of eternity and in verse 6, Paul continues, we know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. When we become believers, sometimes there's this idea that we will never sin again, that the power of God that was in, is in us will magically make us not be tempted by the old things or fall prey to the old our old ways but that is not what the text is saying here it is saying that we will no longer be enslaved to sin we have been set free our new master is Jesus our old master was the enemy when we immerse ourselves more and more in who Jesus is when we spend time with him Sin no longer rules over us. And one important element of that that we often forget as believers is that community is vital, is a vital element for our, to our walk with Jesus, is a vital element to keep us away from sin. So often we say, I know I'm not supposed to do X, Y, and Z, but I just can't stop, I can't help myself, it just keeps pulling me back in, but who have you invited into your struggle? Who knows what you're dealing with? Who is able to be your brother and sister in Christ that will lead you back to your father and help you to walk away from those things that you know you are not supposed to be doing? If you look throughout scripture, we see that Jesus walked with the disciples. The prophets had people with them all the time because they know that iron sharpens iron. We need each other. You're probably telling me, Ebony, I hear you, but I don't have any community. I know it's something that I need, but it isn't something that I found. I haven't found a different way to plug in, but I love that this church, I feel like I'm giving a commercial for Mary Hills, but I love this church so much. <laughs> But Murray Hills is a great place for community. Russ has such a heart for community. When we talk about online church, he loves that our community there is growing, but he also desires for people to come into the building, not just for numbers, not for people to be in seats, but because this is where community, real community is formed. When you're able to look someone in the eyes and say, how are you doing? And, and wh- how, are you be- how have you been? They know what you're walking through. It's so sweet to be able to walk in to other people's stories. Our leadership team here Um, is is uh open to walk with you you have many opportunities for community we have bible studies we have men's and women's group we have community groups so many ways for you to get plugged in to that community so that you are able to walk in your relationship with christ and to be able to help you grow and stay away from the things that have you found maybe your excuse is I know I need community. I'm sure it will help me. But if these people knew what I was struggling with, they would look at me differently. They would judge me. That is not the case, I can say, for our leadership team specifically. But I know our church is the same way because we all have a story. We know that we are all sinners Walking together on this earth, just trying to be like Christ. And we know that it's our job as believers to walk arm in arm together as we try to get this thing right. As I've grown in my faith, I have realized the importance of community. The importance of people that will walk with you through the hard times. I would not be standing here before you this morning without Jesus and without my people. So I beg you to build that community around you to support you and lead you to Jesus when you do not have the strength to do so. Every believer needs a group of people or at least one person who will pull you up on a roof that will tear that roof open for you and lead you down to the Father community is important living in light of eternity through the power of jesus in our community we can break the chains that sin has over us we can grow in our relationship with jesus it does not mean that we won't sin if we are committed to jesus or we have a christian community but it means that we will grow towards sanctification that we will become more and more holy and as we grow closer to our father We will separate ourselves from those sins that have us bound. We won't make excuses for the sins that we commit over and over and over again, but we will prioritize God's moral law over our own. And in verse 12, Paul continues to talk about this thing called sin because it is a big deal. He says, Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members or parts of your body to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death, the old man, to life, the new man, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin shall have no dominion over you, since you are not under law, but under grace. And then this last verse, I imagine Paul doing a mic drop after he says this. What then? Are we to sin because we are not under law, by under grace, by no means. Grace often trips us up because we think that grace gives us permission to sin, but understanding grace, understanding that we have received grace from our Father who died on the cross in our place should turn our hearts away from sin. That grace should reflect, affect our hearts, and reflect in the way that we live our lives because our new master is Jesus Christ, the one who died in our place. I don't have time this morning (laughs) to list all the specific sins that our Bible talks about. A lot of us who have been in church know many of them. But our walk with Jesus is not about what's right for you is what's right for you and what's wrong for me is what's wrong for me. We live and are called to live with a biblical worldview because we have committed our lives to Jesus. And that gift of the Holy Spirit that he has given us leads us and directs us. We know when we are doing something that is outside of God's will for our lives. Sometimes it's a still small voice. Sometimes it's a hear you hear a no when you're doing something you're not supposed to be doing. And so that is how we know what we are doing is wrong because the Lord will lead us and it is in his word. There is a word I came across just a couple years ago and it's the word cruciform. And it means having the shape of a cross. The cross is central to our faith as believers but to, and to know God is to know the cross. So there has been this term called living a cruciform life and that means we are we we live every day to form ourselves into the shape of the cross that means we live by daily dying to ourselves by understanding that sin every single day no longer is our master we live in faithful obedience to God and his word we understand the power and necessity of being a part of a Christian community but not only that extending that community to others around us And we intentionally live a life that honors and looks like the Jesus we claim to follow because we understand every single day and every single moment that we are representing him to the world. We live in light of eternity by living a life crucified to our old man that was ruled by sin and we walk in new life, not just in what we say, not just in what we call ourselves, but how We live our life. I want us to be an accurate representation of who Jesus is. Galatians 2.20 is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. And it says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This verse is a daily reminder to me that I committed my life to Jesus. I committed to die to the old man and that I am now living through faith in Jesus Christ. My life is no longer my will, it's no longer what I wanna do, what I think is right. My life is now lived through the word of God and how the Holy Spirit directs me to live. I know everyone that hears this message this morning is on different levels of faith. Maybe you have never committed your life to Jesus. Maybe when I talk about having a distinct old man and a new man, you don't know what I'm talking about. You don't, can't think of a moment where you gave your life to Jesus and you actually committed all of your will to him and gave him full power and full authority of your life. Maybe you've been in church your whole entire life, and you can quote many scriptures, you know where all the books of the Bible are, but you also cannot think of a distinct moment where you changed, where your selfish desires were put to rest, or where you gave God full control of your life. You can't think of a a BC and AD, as I call it, a time where before Christ and a time after death when you gave God full control of your life and died to the old man. Or maybe you're you are a Christian, and you're trying to walk this thing out in faith on your own and you are drowning. You need accountability and support. You need someone who is can lead you back to Jesus when you're falling. We have lots of opportunities to do that here at Murray Hills and you can do that by coming to talk to one of our pastors after the service. We want to give you an invitation to be baptized physically in the water as an outward expression of your spiritual conversion. If you have never done that before, I want today to be an opportunity for you to have a new conversion of living in light of eternity. If you and I were to take that survey that they did last year, I want all of us to be integrated disciples. I don't want us to be people that just say that we're Christians. I want us to actually believe in the Bible, and it's entirely that this is our moral truth because that is what makes people see Jesus and be drawn to Him. So, if you're interested in making that profession of your faith through baptism, you can do that on the church um, or connect cards or let one of our leadership know. It will be great, wonderful um, to celebrate with you and to um, celebrate with you as a congregation as well. When I was writing this sermon this week, as I said earlier, it was hard to do. Because unfortunately, talking about sin is not done very well, very often, from most pulpits. It's a hard topic. How can you, how can I, as a sinner, tell you that God is calling us to live a life that is sinless towards him? But that is what he's calling each of us to do. I... It breaks my heart when I see someone talk about how they are following Jesus, but their life does not look like it. And it breaks my heart when I hear people say, that's why I don't go to church, or that's why I don't follow Jesus, because those people who are saying his name act nothing like it. I want our church to be different. I want people to say, yeah, I know people that say that, and I know people that don't live that life accordingly, but I know that there's a group of people who attend Murray Hills Church, who are integrated disciples, who love Jesus well, and I can tell because of the life they live and the way they love me. Amen? Amen. Let's be those people. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you this morning for the reminder that though we, were, we are all sinners, that we all fall every day, that you love us, that your desire for us is to draw us to you that your desire is for us to immerse ourselves in who you are because you love spending time with us. You love to hear us pray. You love it when we stop to listen to your voice. You love to hear us worship and grow in our knowledge of you through Bible study and community and conversations. God, I thank you for drawing um, us to you this week. God, give us reminders this week to put down our phones, to turn off the TV, and to spend time with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the Murray Hills Church Podcast. To learn more about Murray Hills Church, including our gathering times, and how to connect with us, visit us online at murrayhills.com.